Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. Today, we're going to continue again our series on the Eucharist. So in our last episode, we worked through uh, a lot of the Old Testament, and then we began in the New Testament just some really small hints, such as Jesus being born in Bethlehem in a manger, like a, it was a feeding trough, uh, the wedding at Cana, and the Our Father prayer, the, the daily bread from heaven. And so now we're going to get into more of Jesus's earthly ministry and all these signs and miracles that he performed and also the Last Supper and all of these different things were more directly Jesus and uh, and his very acts and the very things that he did pointed to himself in the Eucharist. So we're going to start with the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So this miracle of this feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle besides the resurrection that is in all four gospels. So what does that mean? That means that this is extremely important to the Christian faith. Just like St. Paul says, if Jesus truly has not been raised, then our faith is in vain. So uh, this miracle of feeding of the 5,000 is extremely important. So we must uh, look at to see what this is portraying. And so this is in all four Gospels, as you'll see it in Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13, Mark 6, beginning in verse 32, Luke 9, starting in verse 10, and John 6, starting verse 1. So we learn from all four of these Gospels, uh, but we learn specifically from John that this is at the time of the Passover where this feeding of the 5,000 happened. So this is when the Jews would come and all celebrate the Passover meal with a lamb, right? So this is the Seder meal that all the Jews celebrate even today, all the way back from the beginning of when Moses, God through Moses led the people out of captivity in Egypt, right? So it's calling back the Passover event that happened. It's representing, and they would literally talk in first person to say, uh, when they would read the Psalms in the Seder meal, they still do it today. They say it in first person because they are, God told them that this is a perpetual memorial. This is a representation of what happened that night thousands of years ago to the people that was in captivity in Egypt. <clears throat> Yet in each of these cases, right? So this is at the time of Passover. So there's a this is the Passover meal with celebrated with multiple multiple different aspects, but primarily uh, wine and bread and herbs and spices and a lamb, right? They had they would eat the lamb that they would have for each household. So uh, yet in these this feeding of the 5,000 that would happen at the time of the Passover, what was Jesus using? Bread and wine. So Jesus, or bread, I'm sorry. Jesus uses bread to multiply. And so again, Jews were uh, were expecting this from the Messiah, that they he would produce manna. So he's doing that here clearly. But also he's using bread to multiply because he's tying together here that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because it's at the time of the Passover that they would eat the lamb. And also tying that together with the miraculous bread from heaven, the manna, right? So he's producing manna. He's miraculously transforming this bread into feeding 5,000 people. And they all had their fill and there were leftovers. And he says in each of these cases to his apostles or disciples, you give them something to eat. So here you see uh, his disciples being a minister of the, the this miracle, he, these ministers of the Eucharist. So he's also portraying that 
he's not doing just this one time to show his glory, to show, to manifest that. He's showing this as a sign, which John 6 calls it. Remember, it's the it's the, the book of signs at the beginning because they all point to a sacrament. In this case, it's pointing to the Eucharist, where it's a sign that Jesus is going to miraculously transform bread and wine into his very body and to feed the entire world, right? So he says, you give them something to eat to his disciples. So they are ministers of the Eucharist. And each of four, each of these four gospel accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, there are multiple things that all have in common with each other. So in each case, Jesus takes bread, he takes it, he gives thanks, he gives and he reclines and he breaks the bread. And so all of this is pointing to the institution of the Eucharist because we're going to see that same exact formula or at least the same uh, characteristics or recipe for that formula uh, of that formula at the Last Supper when Jesus truly gives himself under the appearance of bread and wine in the Eucharist on that Holy Thursday. <clears throat> so after each record of the feeding of the 5,000, other than the Gospel of Luke, Jesus walks on water. So this is, this is how in John 6, it literally breaks up the feeding of the 5,000 and the bread of life dis, uh, discourse, okay? So we're going to talk about that in a second. And by Jesus walking on the water, what is he doing? He's showing his divinity, right? Because at the very beginning of creation, it was God who spoke his word and created all things into being. He created everything out of nothing. And this, for Jesus, is another messianic identity that he can control the earth. He controls the wind. He uh, calms the storms. He walks on the water, right? He is showing his divinity because it is him that has dominion and has control over his creation. And also, Jesus is a, he makes all things new. We are in a new creation with Jesus, right? So here, he is showing his divinity by walking on water. And what does it say in the very beginning of the Gospel of John? That the word was made flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And so Jesus is the word that has the authority to create every to create anything out of nothing, right? The same word that created the earth is now tabernacled in the flesh and his earthly ministry showing his divinity and he can create all things new. And that even includes when he just says that th this bread is his body and this wine is his blood, then so it is because his word speaks with authority and that it creates brand new things. It can create something out of nothing. It can also change bread into his body and wine into his blood. And so this become this is uh, right after the feeding of the 5,000 at the time of Passover. So all of these are huge, significant details to consider. So let's look at the Last Supper accounts. And the Last Supper accounts, so this is on Holy Thursday at the time of Passover when all the Jews come to uh, celebrate this Passover meal with a lamb. And this happened, this account is taking place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The Gospel of John does not have this specific detail because this is written at a later time and we know that the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the ones that a lot of them draw on each other. So they have a lot of uh, common stories or memoirs or what they're writing about. It has a lot of similarities. However, the Gospel of John kind of fills in the gaps and he has more of a sacramental theology about it and his focus on Jesus's divinity and all of these different aspects. So he's not going to just re uh, recreate what he learned from Luke and Matthew and Mark. He's going to he's writing specifically on certain aspects of Jesus's ministry that were not accounted for in Matthew, Mark and Luke. So 
Anyways, the Last Supper accounts happen uh, at the time of Passover, right? So this is on Holy Thursday, the day right before uh, Good Friday where Jesus gives himself on the cross. So this is the beginning of his sacrifice. So he is the bread from heaven and he is the lamb, right? So at the time of Passover, <clears throat> uh, him and his apostles in that upper room on Holy Thursday and Matthew, Mark, and Luke at the time of Passover, they were celebrating the Passover meal, the Seder meal, where they have bread and wine and herbs and a lamb. But guess what is missing? A lamb. But that's not a problem because guess what? Jesus is the lamb of God. And he says, this is my body. And he says, take and eat. This is my body. And so, and this is why uh, the Catholic teaching is is transubstantiation where it is no longer bread and wine and it just is the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus because he says, this is my body, not it represents or contains or holds. It simply just is his body. So, uh, and so when he says, do this in memory of me, he says, do this. And actually the better translation would be to offer this. The word that he uses there is a priestly, uh, it's, it's a priestly language. It's found in every single act of sacrifice in the Old Testament where it says, offer this. It's a priestly act. So Jesus is also instituting the, the, the priesthood right here, right? And we talked about that a few episodes ago, instituting of the, the priesthood. But he's saying, offer this. So he's giving them to, the power to do what he is doing right here and now. And then he says, in memory, and the Greek word there is anamnesis, which literally means uh, more than just a recollection of a past event or persons, but is actually bringing uh, present what he is doing at that moment, okay? And that's why the Last Supper and the cross are connected to each other. They're both sacrificial events culminated in the sacrifice on the cross, that one eternal sacrifice on the cross. But Jesus says, offer this, uh, at the Last Supper, right? So he is saying, continue this sacrifice because it's going to be his body and blood spread throughout the world. And so um, he says, continue doing it, right? So all these miracles had disciples being ministers of Jesus's uh, miracle in the Eucharist. He institutes the priesthood and this memory doesn't mean just remember, it's to represent, represent or to make present this sacrifice that he is instituting at the Last Supper on Passover. And so there. are uh, like I said before, in this Last Supper account, there if uh, all Jewish um, uh, the- theologians or uh, historians that know the Passover meal and the Seder meal, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to leave a show note for uh, Dr. Scott Hahn in this and in the Mass in the future. But he has incredible teachings. He was really anti-Catholic, and he was one of the guys that. Uh, played a big part in my conversion, but he saw all of this by, by uh, studying the Jewish Passover because Jesus right here precisely doesn't have a lamb, but there is no lamb. There doesn't need, they don't need a lamb because he is the true lamb of God, precisely because Jesus is the lamb of God, which is why he says, this is my body. So because he is the lamb of God, just like in the Old Testament, you had to eat the lamb or your firstborn child would, you would wake up and your firstborn child would die. So you have to eat the lamb. So that's why in St. Saint, Saint Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, Jesus Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us hold fast to the feast. So he's saying we still have to eat the lamb of God, which is Jesus found in the Eucharist. So although the Last Supper account is only found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of them have a direct correlation to John 6, 
which is the miracle of the 5,000 in John 6, right? So in each instance and in 1 Corinthians 11, so I'm going to do a quick comparison on each, uh, each item that is in each of these accounts. So John 6, the, the um, feeding of the 5,000. And then I'm going to compare that to the Last Supper accounts that is found in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 and Luke 22. And the, in the St. Paul's letter to, first, in, to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, where he is talking about the institution narrative and that this is the body and blood of Jesus. So in each of these five accounts, you'll have take, bread, Give thanks, which is the Eucharist, and then uh, then breaking or uh, breakings of the bread, and then the only one that is left out in First Corinthians eleven is give and recline. So giving and um, reclining. So each of those are found in John six, the miracle of the five thousand, and then the Last Supper of count of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and First Corinthians eleven. And then if you compare the part where Jesus is talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And there's a correlation of people deserting Jesus after he has this tough teaching and the betrayal by Judas. Okay, so again, we're going to keep those five accounts. So John 6, the uh, miracle of the 5,000, correlating that with the Last Supper accounts of Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and 1 Corinthians 11. So in each of these five accounts, you have four different uh, things going on. You have Jesus saying to eat his flesh. Then you have Jesus saying to drink his blood. And then you have right afterwards, his disciples leaving him. And then you have uh, talking about the betrayal by Judas. Okay. So in each of these instances, you see Jesus talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood, the dessert, the his disciples leaving him and betrayals, right? So in each of those five accounts. So as we have seen throughout this episode, we saw the, the direct correlation of the themes of what happened, of the feeding of the 5,000 miracles that Jesus performed on the day of Passover, one or two years before the ultimate Passover when he gave his body and blood and the Last Supper and culminating on the cross on Good Friday. And those direct themes that are a correlation between the feeding of the 5,000 accounts and all four Gospels and the Last Supper accounts are he took bread, gave thanks, he gave the bread, and he reclined and broke the bread. And then there's a direct correlation also with eating his flesh, drinking his blood, and then following that people, let his disciples left him or the betrayal by Judas. And so now I just want to take a second to wrap up this uh, episode to actually read a Last Supper account. And we're going to start with Luke 22. And when the hour And the hour came, he sat at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a chalice. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the chalice after supper saying, this chalice which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so just a few highlights from this Last Supper account. 
Jesus says, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you. He earnestly desires for all of us to partake in this communal meal. And he calls it the Passover because Jesus, as St. Paul says, he is our new Passover. He is our Passover lamb, right? This is the new exodus of the new covenant that God is leading his people out of slavery of sin and darkness and into the promised land of heaven. And how is he going to do this is this communal sacrificial meal that he calls the Passover, right? This is our new Passover in Jesus. He says, this is my body, which is given for you. And when he says, take this uh, for the chalice, and this is the blood of the new and eternal covenant, that is the only time Jesus uses the word covenant. And this is what is exactly what he is establishing is that He wants to give us his body and blood, soul, and divinity in the new covenant. He wants us to participate according to St. Paul and and take a communion directly with the body and blood of Jesus. And that is the covenant. And a covenant is an exchange of persons. It is not a contract. It is my life for your life. I lay it down for you and and you lay it down for me. So Jesus is laying down his body and blood, soul, and divinity right here at at the the new eternal covenant covenant. Passover meal on last Thursday, and it's a direct correlation to his sacrifice on uh, Good Friday. Because if Good Friday is just Good Friday is a sacrifice, an, an eternal sacrifice that Jesus gave us, and it's not just a Roman crucifixion, and it's the same thing with the Last Supper. It's not just a meal. It was also a sacrifice, and because Jesus says, I offer this, and he uses priestly terms that he gives his body on the last on last Thursday. That's when he begins his passion. And so, and he wants us to continue doing that and partaking of that new and eternal covenant in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And also he's tying together Holy Thursday with Good Friday directly because he says that I will not eat of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God is fulfilled. So, and when does that happen? The only gospel that gives us the detail of when Jesus drinks that cup is in the gospel of John, when Jesus from the cross said he thirsts. And so the soldier holds up on a hyssop branch, the hyssop branch referring back to the Exodus um, in in the Old Testament. The hyssop branch is held up to Jesus and he actually does drink this uh, cup. And then he says, it is finished. What is finished? It's the fourth cup that he did not consummate on Holy Thursday. Because if we remember right after the uh, the, the third cup, which is the cup of blessing, um, he goes out after they sing a hymn, they go out to the Mount of Olives. Well, he never consummated the fourth cup. And that was the culmination of the Passover meal. But Jesus doesn't culminate it until the cross. So he's directly connecting Holy Thursday with Good Friday because there's the same one sacrifice in, in both instances. It's a sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we're going to talk more about the Seder meal when we talk about the Mass. But just a few details I wanted to pull out here. And now that we're already coming up on about 15 minutes of this episode, and I really want to get into very uh, granular detail of John 6 and the rest of scripture about the Eucharist, I'm actually going to break this up again. So one episode that I tried to make of it, it's going to turn into about three or four episodes on the Eucharist. However, uh, yeah, so just stay tuned for the very next episode talking about even more of John 6. And I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this. God bless you. 